It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hockey! Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome in to another edition of Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad and uh, Declan Goff as we enter a busy week for the Wild in which they'll be home for two against the Golden Knights and then two against the uh, Ducks, the once mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Uh, but before we get to those games, which I think Dex and I will both be at the Vegas game, so yeah. we'll have plenty of uh, Judd's Hockey Show for those. Dex, let's, uh, let's reflect on what happened in this mini three-game series that the Wild played host to the Blues for because uh, I think there's... A few interesting things to get to before we move on. Um, I want to talk about the last two games in particular. Okay. Because so the Wild lost the first one. They led three to one at one point, And this was the Wednesday night game. And the Blues rallied for a 4-3 win. They score with 23 seconds left. Robert Thomas scores. So the Blues win that game. Um, that was unfortunate. But the Wilds clinched a playoff spot. Sure. I wasn't shocked by it. The next two games are what I want to get to, okay? Because I saw a disturbing trend that I do not want to see become the norm. And I don't know if this was because they had clinched a playoff spot. And I know when they did that a week ago, it was a week ago Saturday now in San Jose that we got the, well, we're not going to let off the gas. This is a time to tune up Mm -hmm. for the playoffs. You don't want to let down now. Uh, Thursday night, as we were doing all of our uh, Vikings draft coverage, though, the Wild came out and looked absolutely terrible. Uh, the Blues led 3-1 to one after 2, and 4-2 to two in the third. And then, lo and behold, in the third period, Victor Rask, who had been moved off of the Kaprizov-Zuccarello line, thank you very much to uh, Dean for that, scored with 4.39 left. And then Kaprizov, with the goaltender out deck, scored at 19.08 with the goaltender out. Now, Ryan O'Reilly, my guy for the Blues, won it in OT 5-4. Uh, but, the Wild came back and tied the score. Well, here's the next game then. Uh, they took a day off on Friday, and they played the Blues again on Saturday. And they're again trailing 3-1 to one after two periods, despite the fact that Tarasenko was out for the Blues, Tori Krug was out for the Blues. Nico Sturm scores an incredible tip-in of a Brodeen shot. It was a great tip-in yep. to make it 3-2 uh, at 551 of the third period, okay? And then with a minute left in that game, Brodeen scores again with the goalie out off of a great passing play with Fiala. And the Wild wins on a Fiala goal that I want to get to in overtime. But the trend of the last two games is the Wild, in my opinion, plays very poorly or really not well for two plus periods and then storms back. That's the furious rallies. That's the Koivus. That that's the team I don't have any 
interest in. Now, you're going to fall behind. I completely get that. And you're going to have bad games. I get that as well. But this notion of, oh, my God, we're down. Now let's, we, we got to go, 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 always drove me crazy, which is why I mocked them for it. And these last two games are a habit. I don't care what they say about their play. They did not play well. I mean, I was there on Saturday. They were dead for two periods. It was not excusable. Like, there's no reason for it. Uh, the Blues are good. The Blues are playing well. The Blues are a good test. And I do really don't right now want to see this team go back to, well, we've got talent and we can milk that talent when we need to because that's how you lose a first-round playoff series. What I want is the consistency that we saw. Like we saw all this year, Dex, we've seen consistency yeah. and really – and look, they, they've gotten drilled at times. I get that. That's going to happen. That's not my problem. My problem is this – Third period, goalies out, got to score. They can score. And that's not what I want. That's not what we need. That's not what we deserve. I keep saying we deserve, Kaprizov, we deserve this success. That's the old wild. That's the Niederreiter, Koivu, Grandland. Um, I really don't want to see them defaulting to that act because that act is old. Yeah, I think that's what has made this team different for the most most part of the season is they haven't been doing this. Um, and for whatever reason, ever since uh, ever since they clinched the playoff spot, basically, it, it it you get the sense that they are indeed mailing it in, which is exactly what Bill Guerin said that he didn't want the team to do. He wanted them to keep going, um, wanted them to still possibly compete for getting the top spot in the West, if not um, a, a, at least an opening round playoff series for home ice advantage. And when you drop two games as a Blues. And then in the first, these last three games, the first one you definitely should have had. You played a great first 45 minutes, and then you completely went on the snooze button. Friday was um, was just this weird dumpster fire of a game, even though, yeah, you, you came back, but still mostly a dumpster fire. Saturday, same thing. You still find two points. So, I mean, you look back on it, okay, you know, you, you got multiple points over the course of those three games, but not really inspiring. Not I wouldn't call it inspiring. Um, so... Yeah, it's frustrating. There's still two points back. Colorado has a game in hand on Minnesota as we record this on Monday morning. So a home playoff spot, thankfully, is still in play for the Wild. It's not like it's completely out of reach. But at the same time, you had a chance to make hay and jump them, and you didn't. So yeah. the ramifications for the furious rallies, as, we loved, as you dubbed them about two or three years ago, um, unfortunately came back. I want to know, though, too. Yeah. Um, because he finally got a call. How did Capo look on? Because he, he started Saturday, correct? Yes, he started Saturday. That's in my notes. And we'll uh, he it. looked, no, let's get, get let's to get it to now. It? All right. He looked very good. Um, he made a save on David Perron in the second period, laying on his belly, mm -hmm. that I have never seen this before. He made, it was such a good glove save. Like it was a last second, got the puck. That Perron, after the save, skated over to Capo and patted him oh. on the pads with his stick. Like, nice save. I love it. I've never seen yeah, that before. Know, especially, at, especially at this time of the year, right? Like, St. Louis is still vying for a playoff. Absolutely. This is, these are rivals, right? Like, it's not yeah. like this is game three. Like, hey, nice save. It's, no. it's a meaningless game. It's this is, this is in the crunch of the season. And the Blues are a hard team to play against. And the Blues are trying to be as difficult as possible. And that was really cool. I love it. Uh, my, <laughs> ma my main, so I have some issues with Everson on line combinations at times. Ooh. But I think that's a natural, right? Like yep. we're always going to have that about, well, and I just think that's hockey fans. Um, I have a real bone to pick with the goaltenders, though, and how he does, how he uses 
the goalies. And the most recent example to me mm-hmm. is, so Talbot starts, loses on Wednesday. It's a tough loss. He completely, to his credit, love this, falls on the sword. My fault. It's not his fault. But he's like, my fault. Got to stop some pucks there. Um, and then Dino brings him back on Thursday. And he looks tired. Like, he doesn't look yeah, that good. Yeah. He didn't play that well. So then instead of instead of going Talbot, Capo on Thursday, off day Friday, Talbot on that. Saturday. Yeah, that would have been the right, right thing to do. Yeah, he, go, he goes Talbot, Talbot, Capo. Um, so one, I don't get that. And two, what I don't get is, okay, a playoff spot is clinched. Yep. Talbot's played great. That's fantastic. Capo, for the most part, has played really well. Like, I think for, for what, it, there, was oh. a, there was a time where we would have started him in game one of the playoffs. Like, both of yeah, us we, talked about we, that, we talked okay? About yes, we did. We and did. yet, Talbot has started seven of the past ten games. And I just think you're cruising for trouble in the playoffs because Talbot's going to be your guy, and I get that, Dex. Yeah. But this is my biggest issue, goaltending-wise. What are you doing? This isn't that tough to me. I mean, Capo, if Capo sucked, it'd be like, okay, you can't play him. But he doesn't. He's had a few tough games. Everybody has. Um, I don't understand the logic in riding Talbot. Again, I'll just go back to it. Short season, condensed schedule. You need him in the playoffs. The playoffs are going to be the norm, so they're going to be a complete grind. This is my biggest problem with Dean. I don't understand the thought process with the goaltenders when I think you have to walk a very fine line between he's my guy and I'm wearing him out. Yeah, I, I would rather um I'd rather see this split be especially now with the with the playoff spot mostly locked up. There are gonna be times because the Wild are still in place to get home ice that yes, I understand Talbot might get run out there a little bit more than than you should, but for the most part they've done a good job at balancing them. And I, I just don't get starting um starting him in back-to-back games when it was pretty clear, like, this would be a perfect time to get Capo Cockett in some time. And, you know, Capo had had the great middle-tier start where he ran 10 in a row and was the best goalie in the league. And, yeah, you and I were talking about, you know what? Playoffs started tomorrow. He probably is starting game one. And, and it wasn't because of Cam Talbot's poor play. It was just because how good Capo Cockett looked over that stretch. And for the most part, for a rookie tender, I know he's put up a couple clunkers mixed in, so it, it, it kind of staggers out some things. But in general, for a rookie 24-year-old to make 22 starts this year, have above a league average save percentage of 269 GAA is 115 of those 22 starts. Yeah. I, I mean, that says something. Um, and I would have rather seen him get the get the nod on Friday and then go back on Saturday. I mean, they, they got two more games against the Knights. They're going to close out the, the weekend against California, before, and then the regular season obviously is done. Um, but... I would rather see Capo Kakinen get some time here because I I'm I'm already assuring that Cam Talbot's going to be your game one and two starter in the playoff series. Yeah, you know if if they lose both of those games, depending how they lose those games, maybe Dean does go to Capo in a game three if they were down o two, maybe. Um, but I think it's going to be Cam Talbot's net for the majority of the postseason, mm-hmm. and I want these two dudes to have a pretty normal split. Yeah, well, and I just think that keeping Capo, I I get. To your point, I get leaning towards Talbot, but Capo needs to play more. Like, Capo shouldn't be treated like he's a backup that has to see action sometimes. Yeah. He, he he can play. So, just to go through the schedule for this week, they're going to play 
The Wild plays host to Vegas tonight and Wednesday. They then play the Ducks on Friday and Saturday, and they and they then have a because of how weird the schedule has shaken out. They then have three days off, and then they travel to St. Louis actually to close out back right. to back to back games um, on the twelfth and thirteenth, which is a Wednesday and Thursday of next week. And then I don't even think we have a definitive date unless it's come out the past day or so of when the playoffs are going to start. So there certainly will be a chance to play Capo, but that's the one I that's my biggest gripe. That's my biggest thing of I haven't understood. I don't think it's that difficult to parcel out playing time here in a non-traditional season when I think any team that's going to be successful short of probably like a Tampa Bay which rides one guy quite a bit is going to need two goaltenders. And when that second goalie is playing well, there's absolutely no good case in my mind to bring Talbot back on Thursday after playing on Wednesday when he could have had two days off and then played on Saturday and Capo easily could have played on Thursday. Um, your man crush. I want to get to him because just on Saturday, he was fantastic. Yes. And so I've got a statement to make. Okay. Yep. About, Fiala, and we've talked about right. Kevin quite a bit. I got statements. Um, but I believe two things show something that's extremely important to draw from, okay? First of all, the goal that Brodine scored with the goaltender pulled with a minute left on Saturday. Kevin Fiala makes an incredible pass there, incredible play. Like, that's a high-level play. And then the OT goal, same thing. and. Please stop telling me that Victor Rask, by falling on his belly to hold the puck for oh, a he second, was gassed. he was de- yeah, he was dead. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, if that's Sturm, he doesn't fall; right. he makes the play. But anyway, to go back to Fiala, the Fiala Zuccarello pass play was absolutely gorgeous, and Fiala scores, and it's a great play. And Declan, my statement is this: I think those two instances of high level plays with really good players show you what this guy could do if he had a center to facilitate. Yep. I really, I mean, that's where this kid is at. And those plays and that GW, OT, GWG on Saturday, I thought was the poster child for if you get this guy a center. And I don't mean a third or fourth line guy that's trying hard. I mean a real center. Mm -hmm. That's the potential that he has to far more consistently do what he did on Saturday. Yeah, this is the floor is yours. Now. The, the, he um, and, we'll, and we'll get on Mackie and Judder later too with uh, with our weekend statement. So I'm not going to hopefully bury my, or give away my entire one here. But um, that's a who knows. Go go right ahead. But at, at the same time, different audience. You know, he with, with Fiala. I'm, I just I get really worked up and I get really irritated by people who just get completely frustrated by a guy who is working his ass off and is frustrated at all times because he doesn't have the center. And I don't know if people just forget that this dude already has 19 goals on the season, on pace for a 33-goal season in 82 games. I don't know if people completely are ignoring the fact he has five game-winning goals on the season that also leads the team. So when he makes a turnover in the offensive zone, or he maybe takes a dumb penalty, it's because he's trying to be a superstar. He's trying to lift this team up on his shoulders. Now you might say, well, He's not a superstar. He's a very, very good player, but he's not Kirill Kaprizov. And you know what? That's fine. If Kevin has to have that realization, I get it. But he also, I want the guy who's working his ass off and wants it more than anyone on the team. 
I, I've seen for years so many dudes come in that have just been past. They've been really good and skilled players, but have not had the demeanor Kevin Fiala has. Nino Niederreiter is, is, is as skilled as Kevin Fiala, but he does not have the same demeanor as Kevin Fiala. It's not even close. And I, I want the guy who's playing pissed off with his head on fire, and I want to score the highlight real goal every time, make the best play. I know you're overcompensating sometimes, but I want that guy on my team because it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it, and he's going to score big-time playoff goals for you. So when he's stuck getting centered by Ryan Hartman, and God bless him, I love Ryan Hartman. Now he's, now he's with Victor Rask, who's working his ass off, falling on his butt, gassed for playing for 15, 16 minutes a night, and Fiala is literally taking things over. Yeah, I want that guy because he's going to score some big-time goals in the playoffs mm-hmm. for you. So when, when, when you get to the Twitter machine and, and, and you bitch that Kevin Fiala makes another offensive zone turnover, I'm going to find your tweet and throw it at you when he scores an overtime winner in the playoffs to send this team on in the playoffs. Like I, I, I am going to be—I see you. I see all of you people who rip him for the stupidest of things and don't appreciate him for all the big things that he does night in and night out. And rant. Oh, I like it. I just want I well one I want him to play smart like he can't like I it does it does drive me crazy when he cross checks a guy in front of the opposing goaltender but more importantly I want him to have a guy that can make plays I I mean yes. this is why I am so this is why I am so adamant that the Wild does not while they're on a nice trajectory they're not close to being there yet because you don't have your two superstar or your two your superstar wing and your star wing have nobody to get them the puck consistently. Like Zuccarello is basically because he won't shoot the bleeping <laughs> puck enough, which drives me crazy because he should shoot way more. But Zuccarello has become the facilitator because nobody else can do it. And and I mean, it is for a team that has the blue line and the goaltending and some of the star power up front that the Wild does, I'm with you. God bless Ryan Hartman. He works his ass off. Victor Rask has pictures of somebody, and I don't know whom, but he gets playing time. Um, but they don't even belong near those lines. They don't. And to have to and to be like, well, I took uh, Rask off the Caprice-Zuccarello line, and now he's got great chemistry with Kevin. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Victor Rask wakes up every once in a while. You sort of nudge him. Yeah. And he wakes up and he scores a goal or he does something and people are like, look what Victor Rask can do. Um, Victor Rask has a role in life and it's probably the fourth line. It might be the press box at times. But like these glimpses of, oh, look at what Victor Rask did. It it, it drives me crazy. And yeah, what, what we saw from Kevin on Saturday and the other thing that I absolutely loved was the lack of panic that he showed. So the Brodeen play, perfect example. Somebody pointed this out on Twitter to me, and I think that they were right. When Fiala set up Brodeen for the one-timer shot from the top of this basically very, very high slot near the blue line, um, their point was a couple of years ago for sure, or last year possibly, Kevin Fiala pat, or shoots that puck. Like he gets that puck and just shoots it. Yeah. And this time he had the, and, and this was not a Zuccarello, you never shoot thing. This was a cognizant of the situation, and that was a nice play. I, I mean, this guy is developing. This guy deserves a chance to be on the best line possible. And I could tell you right now, he doesn't have that advantage. He doesn't. So 
that's my gripe is just that when you see these when you see Fiala do what he did on Saturday, it's great to see, but it's also maddening because you realize how much opportunity is lost as long as he has to play with the current centers he has to play with. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it's probably pretty obvious too that if if you find the center, I, I think it's actually more beneficial for Fiala. You know, I I know Kaprizov is literally dragging the team and, and doesn't matter who he plays with, he's gonna put up points. Um, so I understand that, hey, let's maximize the superstar. Let's not maximize the B player in, in Kevin Fiala. But Fiala deserves so much better. He absolutely does. So I, I, if you find the center, I'm not saying you immediately, he goes right on with, with Kevin Fiala on that line, but I think it benefits Kevin Fiala's game the long-term, finding a center than it does find, than does benefiting Kirill Kaprizov. Late-game switch that I'm, I'm curious to see if uh, if Dean sticks with tonight against the Golden Knights. He did put Fiala with Sturm, and they put Rask on the other wing. Like, Rask was slowly but surely getting demoted throughout the course of the last two games. Sturm and Fiala, I'd be curious about. And it's just about time that Nico Sturm gets promoted to somebody's line. Yeah. Like, this whole thing of, well, he's playing great with Benino and Zach, and that's great. They're trying hard, and their ice time's exactly right. That deflection by Sturm was example, what, now 30? of the skill here is really high. Yep. Like he might defensively might be flawed, might be incredibly flawed at times, but Kevin Fiala deserves that. Um, all right. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. And I know that he contributed to the goal, but I don't think that that in my opinion, if you had had a different center on the ice at the time, or I'm sorry, a different player, that player doesn't have to make the sprawling play that Rask made. Why was Rask on the ice in OT? Oh, that, that, I, I charted the. You, I wanted to ask I, you that. I was going to see if I could find my my charting. I thought I charted the um, overtime shifts because if I'm not mistaken, Rask got on the ice on like I think it was shift three. I can't find it right now okay. of OT. But my point being is there were okay, it's right here. I'm okay. sorry, I'm wrong. It was shift two. Shift one of OT on Saturday against the Blues decks. Yep. Eric Sinek, Kaprizov, Spurgeon. Okay. Oh, awesome. That's okay. fine. Yep. Great. Right. That's fine. The second group to come on, and Rask was so gassed because he stayed on the ice way too long as well. That's another thing to keep in mind. That could have cost them. So so the reason why he had to basically dive to make a play mm-hmm. was because he was out of gas. But shift two was Fiala, Brodine, awesome, awesome, Rask, and Zuccarello actually was coming on for a, a line ch- or change three yeah. when when the winning goal was scored. That's why Rask was trying to get off finally because sure. he stayed on too long. Yep. But anyway, help me out here. I, what are you thinking when you are putting Victor Rask? I mean, that is a... That's a liability. Well, that, well that's a Koivu Parisi. Yeah. That's the old school yeah. move. I mean, what? but there's no... Victor Rask doesn't have any sway. Like what are you? There, he should be. He should be. If he's going to be active, he should be stapled to the bench in overtime. Like this isn't a debate. Yeah, and like just looking at um, the shift chart here on Natural Statric, so I can't tell who was deployed first, but I can see who did and didn't play. Like Ian Cole, Carson Soucy, Zach Parisi, Nick Benino did not touch the ice. Or excuse me, Nick Bukestead, I believe. Nick, Nick Bukestead did not. No, yeah, no, did the, not touch the ice in the overtime period. There were I've I've got it charted as seven guys. Yep. Because Zuccarello came on. I did not see if Brodine got off. Yeah. For a defenseman, 
Uh, but Zuccarello came on to replace Rask. So I've got it charted at yep. those. So Victor Rask was the second, I guess, center in three-on-three three yep. to get on the ice. But my, my point is that if, if guys like Parisi and Susie and, and Cole, and a lot of these guys have good roles on this team, they're not touching the ice in overtime for a good reason right now because they don't deserve to be out there on the ice because they're big and they're slow and they're not going to contribute to a three-on-three three game. <laughs> right. Right? Pretty obvious there. It's yes. a pretty blanket statement. Yes. But... um. The only reason for Rask would be because the you know the guy can win a face. What was there a face? I'm trying to. to, to where did he? Where and how did he come on the ice? Because if it was an offensive zone faceoff, I can see the reason to bring him out because the dude can can win a faceoff. But but at the same time, if you get in transition, you're screwed. <laughs> like yeah, I was going to say if, he's so slow he's that so you slow. would almost have to have the pro- the problem with that format, which I love. The problem with that format is you can't win a face-off or take a face-off and get off the ice. Right. Like, you don't have the luxury necessarily of that. Yeah. Because it all depends on where the puck goes. Um, but, I mean, I just don't... That, doesn't make any sense. That would not be a reason for me to have him on the ice. Like, possession's incredibly important, but if he loses possession, now you're stuck with him out there. Yeah. And, again, because it's such a fast game... He's so slow, he doesn't know how to get off the ice. Like, he's literally stuck. Yeah. I don't get that one. I, there, but, I mean, no that's real... one of the biggest head scratchers. Yeah. Um, when, you look, when you look at the deployment of guys, and, I mean, come on. His, his face-off stats might not be great, but you're telling me that Nico Sturm, who's got unbelievable skill and speed, Shouldn't be out there. Yeah, he one hundred percent should be above Rask. And and look, you can't make. I don't think that there is a. But Victor Rask understands how to play defense. Argument here because it's three on three. Like it's all about speed and possession. Yeah, you should be maximizing that. Yeah, it's not a penalty kill. Yeah, I was just, I was flabbergasted. Yeah, like that. That's a surprise as I've been probably since like Koivu, Parisi, and Suter were were starting to three on three for. Boots. Yeah, that that that's backwards. You definitely don't want to be putting Victor Rask out there. You want to be with Kaprizov and Ek, who's a great skater. Um, that's fine, but ugh, yeah, you should not be putting Victor Rask for any extended period of time in overtime. Bad idea. Bad idea. Couple final thoughts. Yes, sir. Um, you're playing when you are playing the Blues, which the Wild almost certainly will not in the first round. They're going to play Colorado or the Golden Knights. Looks like they might play the Abs. If they do, I hope. That they get home ice. But I'm going to make a statement of if you do have to play the Blues at some point, another line thing that confuses me. Okay. I understand the Erickson Eck Felino Greenway line is really good. So, like they yeah. work really well together, and I understand they have a chemistry, and I understand that you don't want to break them up. But Erickson Eck is your best center. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no question about that. The St. Louis Blues play a heavy game, a physical game. They basically want to throw you off your game, and they do a good job. And they're starting to play well, and I think that they could be a real threat. I think that they could beat the Golden Knights. And so if the Wild got by the Avs and the Blues beat the Golden Knights, they are going to meet. And I have a question, or I, or I have a statement to make about that. And I thought that they should have done it Saturday. With the Blues style of play, I think you have to look very seriously at breaking up the Eckline and putting Felino, for instance, on a wing with Kaprizov to have Felino out there mm-hmm. to create more room for Kaprizov. The Blues are all over him, and it's a really good – it's not illegal, though, but, like, I mean, they're always close by because if you're not, he's going to beat you. Yeah. Um, 
And the issue is there is nobody on his current line who you're like, oh, no, I might have to put up with the wrath of him if I hit Kaprizov. There's nobody. I think Felino. I think Kaprizov on the left wing, Felino on the right wing, and possibly Eck at center. But I'm more in love with the idea of Felino on his right wing mm-hmm. would open ice for him, which you have to do. And I'm also convinced in the playoffs, anybody that plays the wild is going to hit Kaprizov. And it's not that he's a wuss and he'll disappear, yeah. but it's just tough to play. There's no ice for him. Yeah. You've got to do whatever you have to do to free up as much ice for him to create. Create. He's a, he's a marvel at going into the quiet zones and basically just being there, and then he gets the puck and makes a play. Um, and I understand the love of the Eckfolino greenway line, but I think you have to look, especially against the Blues, the abs might be different, against the Blues at the smarts of, of because Greenway and Felino decks are your two big guys, and I think if you put them on different lines, it's going to potentially help you combat the Blues style. Yeah. I would even, and look, I, Felino's great. I love him, and, and Jordan Greenway, I know, has a tendency to, to ghost out a little bit, but at the same time, he's a big body. I wouldn't mind Greenway either um, on the right side. I, I understand your point of Felino. I think that's the more logical one. Um, but even maximizing that skill set, it might even be worth putting Greenway um, out, out there as well. Uh, I think Felino does a better job in knowing who he is. And, like, you know, yes. the, the problem is with Greenway is Greenway can possibly play like Felino, but then it's clear that Jordan Greenway is a more offensively gifted and talented player. Like, it is. Like, he, Jordan Greenway is a more gifted player than Marcus Felino is at this point in his career. It does not mean that one of them is better than the other. It just means that I, I know Jordan Greenway, there's, there's still a ceiling there. I know what I'm getting with Marcus Felino, even though he's having a terrific season. I know that Jordan Greenway has a next level to his game. And it might be maximized playing with someone like Kirill Kaprizov. And by the way, Greenway has one less even strength point than Kirill Kaprizov this season. So he has shown up the ability to put up points. So, yeah, I, I, under, I understand that putting Flynn out there would, would, would create some open lanes for him and, and hopefully be able to, to create some more offense for Kaprizov because that is the plan. If any team's plan is going to be shut down Kirill Kaprizov, can you beat us without him? Like that is going to be their team's plans in the playoffs. They play Colorado or Vegas. Yes. If they shut down Kaprizov... You know, yep, the Wilds still have players that could beat him with. Fiala could beat them. You know, Joel Erickson could get a dirty goal. But if you shut down Kaprizov, the yep. assignment becomes very, very easy. Mm-hmm. It really, really does. Um, and I think we, and I think Wild fans have to be ready for that. Even though they've had great depth all season, if Kirill Kaprizov is shut down, you're a, you're going to be a one and done team. That's that's obvious. And yep. I, I think anyone who disagrees with that statement needs a little bit of a reality check. But but th- that could be something that does happen towards the course of a game if you're getting bullied. Luckily, you know, yeah, if you're playing Colorado specifically, they're not going to be able to bully Kaprizov enough. I agree with you on that. Vegas might. Vegas yeah, has a little bit more size. Vegas and, and the Blues are a problem. Yep. They're, yeah, they're a definite problem. I'm but, totally with you but there. If they're with Colorado, you're right. um, it, that's just going to be more of a, we're going to play a track meet game. And, and the Wild, I'm still, I have trepidations about getting in a track meet with Colorado. Uh, but... If you play St. Louis or Vegas, who have bigger bodies and can bully you, you're going to have to figure out a ways to adapt. The Eck line against the McKinnon line would actually work great, I think. That's a good matchup against a really tough line if you are the Wild. But I think you're right. If you play Vegas and St. Louis especially, that's where I'm saying. And, and it's not that Felino or Greenway need to fight. They don't need to fight. But you need some presence on Kaprizov's line. And that's lacking. And Matt's... Matt Zuccarello 
and Kaprizov together in a seven-game series against the Golden Knights, but the Blues for sure. I don't know that works. Like, against the Avs, I think it works because it's high tempo, high speed, high skill, right? Against the Blues, I think it's going to be not as effective because, again, the Blues are going to take away time and space. So if you put Foligno on or Greenway on the line with Kaprizov, move Zuccarello to Fiala. I think that that you I think you just need to consider the options here. Uh, and it seems like Dino is really wed to the Eckline as is constantly. It's like, I don't want to break him up. I don't want to break him up. And I don't know that you can look at all three potential opponents in the playoffs and say, we're sticking with this line for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think X-Line should be pretty dang good. And yeah, you don't want to break it up yet. But in, over the course of the playoff game, if you're down or if or if things, things are going things are going not your way, that's where you, you do move people up. You put Kaprizov and Fiala together if you're down a goal in a in, in late-game situation. You absolutely have to do that. So I think we'll see, too, how really good of a coach Dean Evison is, which, by the way, I think he is a good coach. I'm not throwing out that he is not. But we'll see how he adapts in the playoffs because the playoffs are going to be a completely different beast. Love it. All right, we're done. Pass, shoot, score. He knows you once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test. Unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.